welcome to the first episode of the Bookshelf Sisters podcast. Um, we are two sisters and we are here to talk about books. Right. I'm Mary um, and I am an Osborne organiser and I used to be a teacher. So my sort of reason for doing this is that I love to promote reading and inspire different people to read. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm Mary's sister. Um, I'm a librarian, but I mainly work with researchers. I did study a little bit about children's librarianship. I've never actually worked in it, but I'm really interested in reading utopian fiction, dystopian fiction and young adult fiction. And I also have a little bit of an interest in writing and have in the past tried to write my own young adult fiction. Thank you, Chris. Right, so I started a new book group very recently as part of my Osborne organiser hat. And it's for friends and anyone else who's interested in reading young adult fiction. It's an audience that I haven't sort of relayed, I haven't had much to do with in the past, but I wanted to expand my knowledge of this type of book and also hopefully promote some of the books for for schools and things like uh, for older children because at the moment most of my work which I love is promoting reading in primary school some of the people that have joined are just into it for relaxation and enjoyment which is great and a couple have got teenage children themselves so I think they're also interested in what sort of reading their children might like and we've had one meeting which was a sort of zoom meeting that i thought was really successful yeah i i would agree with that so the book group is going to be reading various different osborne books for young adults and i'll be reading along as well and maybe putting in some other YA books, if I feel that they're relevant to the discussion, if Mary doesn't mind. Of course not. No, it's good to have a broad um, look at what's out there as well Mm -hmm. to compare. The first book we chose for this is called The Extinction Trials by the author S.M. Wilson. And it's the first book in a trilogy. It's currently on, um, it's one of our recommended reads for World Book Day via Osborne so it's got a slight reduction in price as well <laughs> so it's useful to know especially as my my the copy that Mary sent to me had a slight excess of price because it was um it was mailed to me and then the post office decided it was a little bit too large for the um postage that it was being sent at so as a little surcharge yeah i i apologize for that chris and um, in return you will get some compensation maybe maybe a free book at some point you paid for it anyway so and you sent me free chocolate so i'm not complaining Oh, yes. But one part of the book group is to have some little treats as well. <laughs> Which is important in lockdown. Absolutely. Well, it's important any time, but particularly yeah. in lo- lockdown. OK, so on to the book. So why d- why did you choose this book, Mary? Just as a little 
Okay. Um, it comes with a tagline, The Hunger Games Meets Jurassic Park. And I really enjoyed The Hunger Games. And I thought, well, this is a book that people that like science fantasy would probably really enjoy. And I know a lot of adults enjoy that sort of read. And I'd heard really good things about it from others within the Osborne community. And so I thought, well, you know, it's a promoted read at the moment, so let's give it a go. And I wasn't sure how it was going to pan out, but I was actually quite gripped with the whole thing almost as soon as I picked it up and started reading it. Uh, it's got quite uh, a, a good setting. It starts off with a little bit of, out of information about one of there's two main protagonists, really. And it starts off with the protagonist, Lincoln, and just a little bit about something that's happening in his life. And then it moves probably to the main protagonist, which is this girl called Storm, Stormbreaker. Storm Chaser, Mary. Oh, Storm Chaser, yes. <laughs> Get that right. Yeah, so they both live in a world that has, is very, very overcrowded where they're living. Um, Lincoln's actually living in caves and... Storm Chaser is an author and she's living in a sort of uh, hostel type accommodation, I guess, uh, that she has to share so that when she's working, other people sleep in the same accommodation. So it's quite a, a sort of like hard to imagine scenario, but quite worrying that maybe in some time in the future, our world could could be like this but there is also they live in this world where there's another continent that's completely separate from from where they're living that looks like the promise of a new environment that would be great for everyone to live it's lush and green but for the fact that dinosaurs live there and the dinosaurs are known to be quite ferocious and carnivores, traditional Tyrannosaurus rex and a few of those uh, dinosaurs actually live there and so they've had sort of exploration in the past where they've gone over there to look for new foods and some of the people that have gone over there haven't returned. So towards the start of the book they actually um, put up these things called uh, these trials to encourage people who think they're fit and strong who would like to go and actually discover the island and see whether they could find you know new food or new things well that's what they think it's going to be but it turns out that this year they actually want to get some of the dinosaur eggs so that they can examine the dna and possibly destroy it so that they can go over there and live so that's the sort of how it starts yeah, I think what they're trying to do with the dinosaur eggs is look at the DNA and make a virus that will kill off the dinosaurs because they haven't been able to poison them because they're worried that they'd contaminate the land in this um, nice new continent that they want to settle in. So I think that's that's what they're doing. And the incentive for people to go. So each year they've been sending 100 people to this uh, other continent and not that many come back. So the incentive is that if you win, 
if if you come back with um in this case the most eggs then you're going to get lots of uh free food housing and healthcare, which are things in very short supply in that uh, particular society and it turns out they have to work in teams which is how storm chaser and lincoln get sort of put together but it, the outcome may be that the teams don't necessarily get the equal shares of the spoils. Which injects an important element of mistrust between people, which is um, one of the things that keeps the story going. Um, I suppose for me, that's... Um, sorry, you you want to say more, Mary, yet? Or? No, no, you carry on, though. That's good. So for me, I think it... This book did have some of the elements that made the Hunger Games work. So it had a has a strong female protagonist who can credibly compete with the men. She's actually got some special skills, like she can swim underwater for a long time, she can talk to dinosaurs, and she can throw knives. So she's she's pretty good all round hero. Um, it's also got the competition element that you get in the Hunger Games. So. As Mary was saying, there's uh, teams that compete against each other. And there's also a real sense of danger. People do die, sometimes because of of the dinosaurs, but sometimes because of each other. So it really is quite a gripping setup. Um, Oh, the other thing that's, that's pretty good about it is that it manages to have a strong conservation message Um, both in terms of what the humans have done to the continent they live on. Uh, Basically, as Mary says, it's very overcrowded and they can't really grow their own food because they've exhausted the soil. And um, also in terms of what they're planning to do to the other continent in the sense that they want to wipe out the dinosaurs. But thanks to the way the book is written, the characters themselves can have different motivations as to whether they want to do this or not. So um, it's it's really got some quite good things going for it. Um, I do have a few things that um, I'm that didn't work for me, but I don't know if Mary wants to come in on what did work for her first before I go on to that. <laughs> Um, I thought it worked pretty well, actually. I liked the fact that they all had, apart from perhaps Storm so much, but the others involved in her team really had strong motivation to want to do this because their families back home were dependent on this. Um, whereas Storm being an orphan, her motives were slightly different. I think she's a little bit of a misfit, and she likes challenges and she hasn't really been challenged very much, I don't think. She sort of doesn't bother with school at all because she knows that if she does well at school, she's going to be given a more inside job, which she really doesn't want to do. She's a sort of athletic, physical um, type of person, I think. And like Chris said, the trust thing was all important because she thought she could trust them, but then she realises that actually everyone's a little bit more out for themselves than, than, than she initially thought. So that does make a difference. I think the other thing she brings to it is her scepticism about the whole uh, point of omission. She 
um, is somebody who has made friends with an aquatic dinosaur in her own um, continent. And so it's not buying this whole, oh, we've got to kill all the dinosaurs. So in a sense, I felt that she was almost there to maybe understand what the other continent was like and under and understand whether or not they should actually be doing these things to the dinosaurs there so she's kind of she's kind of the I suppose the conservation heart of the story in a sense do you reckon Mary or definitely you know, I, I definitely agree with that and it'll be interesting to see how the other in the other two books this pans out so as Chris said there was a few reservations when she read it so we'll talk about some of those um, now I think yeah yeah I suppose for me what didn't work maybe most was the world world building as we call it in the science fiction community so the geography of the story um, the human continents called Earth Asia so that makes you think well that's going to be stretching maybe all the way from Europe to Asia uh, but it didn't feel like a continent. It just felt like a bit of Scotland because it had a lock in it with maybe some Norway tacked onto it because it has some people who were from Norden, which sounded a bit sort of Scandinavian. And then Peloria felt more like a, an island than another continent. In fact, it's interesting that Mary actually called it an island earlier. So I think that's... Uh, and I suppose the fact that there's a map which um, is useful, but it, it's quite a small area but it's delineating because the people are not there for longer than are they there for about a week mary i can't remember yeah i think it was about a week yeah they do have vehicles to get them around but uh, even so it's it's hardly getting you very far into a continent um and i thought even maybe uh, I thought the way the competition was run felt very counterproductive to the aims of this society, but I'm sure that's something to do with the way that this the, the government in this particular uh, society runs. So I'll I'll kind of hold um, far on that till I've read the rest of it. But and even in in the first book, the overcrowding felt a little bit contrived as well. Like they're all living in a small army camp next to a lock, rather than. Um, it being a whole continent of people crowded together. So to me, it felt a bit more post-apocalyptic um, than it did um, overpopulated, if you like. Or else, perhaps it's just a very tiny continent. I don't know. I think it's definitely got the elements for um, a young adult read. It's aimed at 12 yeah. plus. Yeah. And uh, it's quite gripping. It's quite exciting. I like Chris said it does deal with a few people that die, but there's no graphic detail in nah. it. So it's certainly very suitable for that age and even possibly slightly younger at the end of um, primary school if if um, they were looking for something that was a, a bit more of a challenging read, possibly. And I did, yeah. And I didn't think, to be honest, I didn't think those particular things I'm quibbling about really mattered on the whole because I think the book is meant to be more of a fable or thought experiment than it is um, a sort of detailed um, science fiction uh, setup. And I think what's more important is the questions that the book raised. So the questions about if you need the resources of another continent does that give you the right to kill off the inhabitants there? So I think I think it's 
the setup of a book actually works for that. And if you spent too much time trying to make it very realistic, then there wouldn't be time to explore those. So I'm I'm kind of throwing those in as quibbles, but I also feel that um, they're not that important for the book and also that the pace of a book is such that um, apart from a few p- plot holes maybe towards the end, most of that really didn't matter. And hopefully the things that um, I didn't think were quite resolved in this will be resolved in the next two books because it is really uh, it is just part one of three so I I think there's plenty of time to deal with some more of these things in the later books yeah I I understand that I think they were published fairly near to each other so whether they were written all as one and then decided to split them up or that was the original plan I'm not sure (laughs) So, any other thoughts, Mary? I mean, there's a question. We did talk a little bit about uh, at the book group about whether we thought it was um, direct. The book was uh, designed to be for boys or for girls. Yeah, we had quite mixed opinions on that actually. Yeah. Um, some of my group felt it really was a girls' read because the protagonist, the main protagonist that was driving the story, was a girl, but all the other people around her were actually male and I think the subject matter is probably slightly more male than female so it's probably got quite good balance in the sort of uh, people it would attract. Uh, Another thing we talked about was whether the author had deliberately used her initials in um, uh, rather than her name on the author line so we're not sure about that, so I have just tweeted her a little uh, question on that, so it'll be interesting to see what comes back. Yeah, I think that's, that came out from me because I have some friends who are science fiction writers, uh, women science fiction writers, who have in the past been asked to write under initials rather than um, under their, their name because a female name might put off some of the male readers. But I think Mary has made a good point that also there's J.K. Rowling. And if you're writing in that tradition, maybe actually it's uh, quite a nice, a neat thing to have your initials on rather than your full name. Yeah, we were also wondering whether, you know, J.K. Rowling was actually did the same thing because she was advised that it would be better to have initials rather than her full name. And she did have a male protagonist, Harry Potter. So <laughs> maybe she too was aiming for that elusive boy market. Yes, because uh, certainly at secondary school age, I think um, boys tend to drift a little bit away from fiction. So anything that you can get to grab them is really important. And and I know that I have sold a couple of these books to children when I work, when I did a book um, sale for middle school. And the children that were attracted to it were actually, I think, primary school age still. But very much it was boys that liked the idea of, you know, the Hunger Games meets Jurassic Park. And I know I've got a friend whose son, who's a bit younger than the age of this book, I think, but he is or was mad about dinosaurs. So it may well be a a boy thing. I don't know. (laughs) Well, perhaps you could lend her the copy and see. Because I would, I'd quite like maybe some slightly younger children to read it and get their opinion. Because I didn't ever have any feedback from these boys because I didn't actually see them again. 
because it's always useful to know what to recommend to mm-hmm. to um, parents, especially parents of boys in that 10, 11, 12 range, because often they're still really keen on reading, but a lot of the books aimed for that age aren't quite what they want to read. So if anybody's got any, um, anyone listening to this podcast has any thoughts on this, please write into us. Our email address is bookshelfsisters07 at gmail.com. Thank you, Chris. That's great. Right. And what are we going to read next time, Mary? Right. The next book is called Beauty Sleep, and it is by an author called Catherine Evans. And uh, it's for, I would say, a slightly older age range, but still not... um, still not one that you would say had to be read by an old older age range so i think it's advertised as 14 plus or 13 plus but um i think most secondary school age children would enjoy this i'm not going to say much about it at this stage it is still in a sci-fi type of genre isn't it chris because you've read it already haven't you yeah i suppose it it is um I can't remember whether it's dystopian or not. Not but it's, quite. It's a... more futuristic, isn't it? Yeah, it's got some. I would say some technology we don't have at the moment in it. But other other than that, it's fairly realistic. Yeah, because it's interesting. That was the other thing I was going to say about S. M. Wilson, and I think you were sort of saying that is that her next book um, seems to be a space adventure called The Infinity Files. So she's branching out from um, dystopia to um space so it'd be interesting to see what that's and like that's as actually well. due out um, very shortly i think it might be an april publication it could even be march it could even <laughs> be march because we haven't had our new titles for march okay right anything more mary i anything think that's exciting? probably it for today <laughs> i think next time maybe i will tell you a little bit more about what i do with our spawn but um the main focus is going to be on the book that we're discussing So thank you very much for listening to our first um, episode. Yeah, thank you. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. (laughs) 